Be strong, therefore, and let your heart take courage. That verse is the inspiration for this new sermon series that we're beginning today, titled Deep Courage. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Over the next uh, five Sundays, after this one, we will listen to and look at the lives of several courageous characters in the Bible. Some who stumble and fall and make complete fools of themselves, yet still have the courage in the middle of their mistakes to stand up and move forward in life. We'll look at the story of David and Goliath. We'll examine Moses and his speech impediment and how it still did not keep him from standing up to the Pharaoh. We'll look at Ruth and the way she, the courageous way she moved away from her family and took on a whole new life. We'll listen to the story of Esther, a queen in a foreign land. And then finally, we'll finish with my favorite character in the Bible outside of Jesus, and it's the story of Peter, one who stumbled, constantly fell, and failed, and sinned, and did everything possible that he could to get in the way of Jesus, and yet somehow, somehow became the rock upon whom the church was built. But, but today we're going to look at this idea of courage and, and really what it means at, at, the, at the center of the word. <clears throat> According to sociologist Brene Brown, courage is a heart word. The root for the word comes from the Latin, the Latin word core or cur, which means literally heart. To have courage, then, according to Dr. Brown's definition, then, is to speak one's mind by telling one's heart, by speaking from the heart. It's fascinating that that this is what courage means. We we tend to think that courage has to do with acts of bravery or or, or you know rushing into a burning building. Certainly, those are are courageous, heroic, brave. But the deeper meaning of this word. To have courage means the willingness to speak our hearts wherever we are. To let our heart guide the way we live. There's something similar in the Bible. You may not know this, but in the Bible, when you run into the word believe, that word believe at its root, at its center, also means to give one's heart to. For example, when you read John 3.16 and it says that whosoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life, that word there in Greek is pistuo and it means at the center of it to give one's heart. To find life then is to give your heart to Jesus, to give your attention, your full attention to the way that Jesus instructs us to live. You know, I, I loved John Wayne movies when I was a kid. I wanted, I wanted to be John Wayne when I grew up. I wanted to rescue the pretty girl. I wanted to be the cowboy who rode in to save the day or the, or the fighter pilot who flew in and took care of the enemy and all of that. And none of those things are, are, are wrong or bad, of course. But there's something else going on in this word courage. It's about giving your heart to your family, friends, your neighbors, to God, to letting your heart guide the way you live. But it's not easy. Uh, There's a church I know of in Ohio. It has carved in, in stone above the door these words, enter at your own risk. It's become a little bit of a joke for the church members. You know, it's like you're entering into the Pirates of the Caribbean ride or something. But there's truth in it. There really is. If we're going to live the way that we proclaim our faith tells us to live, that's some pretty risky stuff. If we're going to seriously follow Jesus, if we're going to let the Holy Spirit fill our church and fill our lives, then we're going to have to be willing 
to do something dangerous. My, my buddy Scott is, is, is a good preacher. He's from Georgia. He says, Miles, that's some scary stuff right there if you're serious about it. And Scott's right. But if we take the Bible seriously, and we do in this church, then it's time to find the courage we need to let Jesus guide us. But like I said, it's not easy. I read last week about a pastor, a good pastor, down in Texas, who said, we can't let the Sermon on the Mount in the United States of America get in our way. I wasn't sure I heard what he said, so I went to my computer and I googled his name and I googled the quote, and sure enough, it was really clear. I mean, things like, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And if someone wants your coat, give your coat to them. If you want your sweater, give that to them also. If someone says, carry my pack for a mile, well then do it. Carry it for a mile, carry it two miles. This pastor said, no, that kind of stuff, that's just not going to work in our world today. And frankly, I, I, I sympathize with that view. It's a frightening world. It's a scary place. But Jesus' words are clear. We need a courageous movement of Christians to let Jesus' way be our way. There's another courageous thing that we we Christian folks are, are called to do in our church, and it's confess our sin. Now, we're, we're not a congregation that does a lot of that, a lot of sin talk, and you ought to feel bad, and no, no, that's, that's not who we are. Yet, in this place, we are sometimes invited, as I did in the prayer a moment ago, to invite us to be honest about our failures, our stumbles, our mistakes. An action like that, an openness to admit that we are not quite what we want to be is a courageous thing. It's the courage of memory. I've noted, maybe you've seen this, that the more messed up I, I make my life, the more obnoxious I am, the more uh, mean-spirited I become, the easier it is for me to forget. <laughs> I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but I've sometimes heard lawyers say that the best answer to a question in court is, I don't know, I don't remember. In the church, we're called to remember. I wrote on my, my blog last week about a, a, a mistake that I made, a sin. I was a little embarrassed to do so, but I, I thought it was a, 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 could be an encouraging note. <clears throat> Maybe you saw this. I was, I was driving up Ward Parkway, coming north here towards the church. I was on that part down by um, Trader Joe's, you know, where it's just two lanes on each side of the road. And well, the right lane <clears throat> all of a sudden just got way backed up. And so I, I signaled. I did everything you're supposed to do, pulled over into the left lane, and, and just continued on around all these cars. But then I looked up in my rearview mirror. I was pretty sure I hadn't cut this person off, but she was roaring right up behind me, and she was waving her arms like this, and she was pushing towards me like this and waving. Clearly, she wanted me to go faster. Well, I looked down at my speedometer, and I saw that I was doing 39, which is four miles over the speed limit. So you know what I did? I slowed down. (laughs) And for a moment, it felt really good. Because she started gesturing even more, and she... She called me a name that, well, you can guess. And then I thought, what am I doing? This is childish and stupid and ridiculous. What a dumb thing to do. I also thought, I wonder if that's a church member. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I put my signal on. I pulled over safely. I tried to wave to her as she drove by and, and tell her I was sorry. But, boy, she was in a hurry. She just flew on by. I, I did not recognize her. And for that, I, I did thank God. Now, now that doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't take a lot of courage to confess that, okay? I'm not, I'm not holding myself up as a courageous person, but I, I'll let you know I was embarrassed when I saw it in print. And I worried about what y'all might think about me. I'm your pastor. I'm supposed to be a model and all that stuff. And yet, honestly, when we can have serious conversations with our families, with our loved ones, with our friends, and let them know I recognize that I fell here, that I failed, that I sinned, I mean, that's what you call what I did. Pulling over and slowing down intentionally just to irritate her. The Bible's clear. That's a sin. You dummy, pull back over. When we find the courage to have these conversations about serious stuff that really matters, between your spouse or your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, that's when we become the people that God expects us to be. So in the church, we remember and we recognize that it takes, truth. it takes courage to do so. Courage is facing the truth. It's seeing life for what it is and dealing with it nonetheless. Brene Brown says, and I'm quoting her again, Choosing courage does not mean that we're unafraid. It means that we are brave enough to love despite the fear and the uncertainty. Do you hear what she said? Choosing courage does not mean that we're unafraid. Fear still is there. It's still real. But we're brave enough, despite the fear, to move forward. Last week, our men's group, which I mentioned in the greetings, called Faith Pub, met, met for a, an evening of, of, of cold beverages and, and some, good, some good appetizers. And, and then we got into talking about times we've been lost and how we found our way back. I, I shared a story from my life. You can talk to me later if you'd like to hear it. I'd be happy to share it in, in public. And then I asked the guys in the group, why don't you share with each other briefly? And they turned around little groups of four and five and shared. And then I said, is anybody willing to speak to the whole group? And several spoke. Oh, there was some openness. There were some courageous comments being made about some things these guys have gone through that are just, oh, the only word that comes to mind is horrific. But what I saw around the patio there at the well, that's a little pub over on 74th and Warnell, were these guys nodding their heads saying, yeah, man, I, I get it, I've been there, or boy, that should have been, that was tough, or what's that like? And there were handshakes, and there were, there were sort of those guy hugs. You know what a guy hug is? And it's where you, you shake hands and you reach in and lean in, pound each other in the chest real quick, and then you back away. That's a guy hug. A lot of those. A lot of those. And a lot of hang in there. Keep on, brother. Show up. Do what you got to do. It didn't take much, but it was pretty courageous the way these guys shared some tough things from their lives. Several years ago, across the street over in the sanctuary, I preached the funeral for my friend Rusty Baltus. Rusty was a lifelong member of this church. You, you may have known that he was also an alcoholic. He was public about that, was not embarrassed to say it out loud, and was very, very active in our AA and Al-Anon groups here. In fact, he was the liaison for many years for our, our, our church staff with all the AA groups. Did you know we have at least one AA group every day of the year on our campus? Sometimes two or three or four or five different groups are meeting every day of the year. Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day, New Year's, every day. And Rusty's the guy 
who really made that happen. And I'm so proud that we're able to continue to minister in that way. Well, at the funeral service for Rusty, of course, we, we were sad and, and, and full of grief to see him move on into the resurrection, but we celebrated too. And I, I, I told the folks it was packed. It was about five or 600 people just jammed in the sanctuary. Most of them, or at least many of them, members of AA. And I said, I love how AA functions. When you speak, you say, hi, my name is Bob, and I'm an alcoholic. And everyone says, hi, Bob. And so I said, you know what, in the church, maybe we ought to do the same thing. Maybe we ought to start every meeting, whether it's about the finance or it's a board meeting or it's a children's ministry, whatever it is, before we say anything, we stand up and we say, hi, I'm Glenn and I'm a sinner. And the whole congregation said, it was great. There was just laughter all over the place. And I, I you know, maybe we'll start doing that. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the emphasis on sin, but there's something honest about just being who we are, right? I said this a couple weeks ago in a sermon. I can't see if the person who said this to me afterwards is here. But I said, if you've never committed a sin, talk to me after church. And this one sweet guy, a member of our church, came through and he shook my hand and said, I'd like to meet with you later to explain how I've gotten through without sinning. (laughs) And your laughter was mine, too. Because honestly, honestly, none of us gets through without failing somewhere. Tom Long good preacher in Atlanta, notes that sometimes the ability to speak from the heart, to speak the truth with courage, can even be found in the middle of failure. He tells the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You know Bonhoeffer. He was a seminary professor and a theologian. He was a seminary professor and president in Germany in the 1930s before he was uh, arrested and sent to the death camps by the Nazis. In the seminary, he noticed that there was a lot of uh, gossiping going on, a lot of conflict, interpersonal conflict, and so he, he, he made an edict. He said, we will no longer speak about other people unless that person is right there in front of you. I won't say anything about her or him unless the two of them or one of them are standing in front of me, even if it's meant to be positive or a good thing. We won't talk in this way. That was the edict. Can you imagine what our church would be like? Do you imagine how quiet our meetings will be? <laughs> Our prayers would not begin with, oh, I heard about so-and-so. Well, we should probably pray for it. No, no. There might be a lot more silence, honestly. Well, I, I, I got to tell you that the, the, the idea was a failure. They just couldn't do it. They just could not make it happen. But his biographer notes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's biographer notes, that in the end, they learned more from this failed attempt to leave all that stuff behind than they did from all the, all the lectures and sermons that were presented that year. Just in the attempt to let their hearts guide everything that they do, help them find their way with Jesus. This writer this morning of Psalm 31 is one who is in distress He's not sure about his friendships. People are saying terrible things about him. Go, go back and read the entire psalm. It's a beautiful piece of poetry. But the middle section, the part that we didn't read, is very, very hard to read. He's being held, and these are his words, in utter contempt by his neighbors. He, he, his friends look at him as an object of dread. Again, those are his words. He says that he feels so terrible in these broken friendships that his very bones ache. Have you ever been there where somebody you cared for deeply, a spouse maybe, maybe it was a divorce, maybe it was a family member, 
and it was broken. And they said terrible things about you. Could you sleep? Could you eat? Did it just ache at the very marrow of your bones? That's where this psalmist is. And yet, he finds friendships. In his honesty, in speaking this truth, he discovers others, like we did at Faith Pub the other night, who've gone through similar things, and in their pain, and in their sorrow, and in the, in the allowance of the courage of their heart to be spoken. He discovers a life that he did not realize was there. He encounters others who've been through the same. That's how he's able to conclude, as we read a moment ago, be strong and let your heart take courage. Jonathan Martin is a pastor, but for a while he was not. On the church that he was in before the one he's currently serving, he got up on Easter Sunday and he said, the the message of the gospel The message of of Jesus Christ can be summarized in the words of the angel in the empty tomb, do not be afraid. Everything you need to know, he said, when you face the reality of your life, when you face the reality of your death, can be found in those simple words, do not be afraid. That was his Easter sermon. And then at the end of the sermon, he resigned from the church. And he announced that he was leaving the ministry. Now, if I ever get to meet him, and I'm going to try to, frankly, because he's a fascinating person. I'm going to ask him about resigning on Easter Sunday in front of a couple of thousand people. And I'm not sure that was the best move, but I deeply appreciate his honesty in sharing this story in his book. The book is titled How to Survive a Shipwreck. I'd, I'd recommend it to you. The shipwreck, of course, is his own life completely falling apart. Well, a year later, as he dropped out of the ministry, he joined a rock band. Doesn't that sound like kind of a fun thing to do? He joined a rock band, and they started playing in pubs and bars all around different, different parts of the South. And one day, he was playing in a band, and he looked in the back of the bar, and there was a woman from his church, the church that he'd left a year or so before. They kind of smiled and winked and waved, and, and during a break, they sat down and had a long conversation. And she looked at him, and she said, John, i got to tell you, you're writing, you're preaching, you were so inspiring, you've, you've changed my life. But when I'm sitting here right now talking to you, It's like you're not real. You've fallen back into the trap you were in before of not being who you are. You're pretending, she said, to be someone else. And then I want you to hear her words exactly. She said, there's still so much for you to say and write that only you can say and write. But, hear this, it's all going to be a blazing sham if it doesn't come from a truthful place. That was one of those moments in my office when I just stopped. I I almost, I didn't, but I almost got a big Sharpie out and wrote up on the wall, a blazing sham if you don't speak from a truthful place. Write those words over the wall of your life, over the doorway of your way. A blazing sham if not spoken from a truthful place. That's the way to courageous living, to let your heart speak the truth, to let your heart name the pain, to let your heart point out the mistakes, to let your heart lead you on the way way of Jesus, a way that invites us 
to let love and grace define who we are and how we live. This courageous way of living begins in a truthful place, an honest place. And when we go that way, we can let the words of the day be the words of our life. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Amen.